The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Awesome movie, awesome book by Peter King. Where? I've read the book. Stephen King, Peter King. Peter King writing under the pseudonym Stephen King. No, neither Stephen one seems King, to comb their Peter. hair all that well, so I can see why you get <laughs> them confused. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! The gratuitous slam by Chris last week of both Stephen and Peter King as we were talking about the Green Mile. I can't remember how the Green Mile came up, but it did indeed come up. And uh, I, I think I just mentioned that I'd been watching it. And we know that the Green Mile is the movie from whence the nickname The Big Effort came. And Pete reminds right. me that when Chris did his Under Armour read last week, I said, we must protect this mouse Instead of this house, yes. because I've been watching the Green Mile, and right. the mouse got squished until John Coffey, like the drink but spelled different, saved, resurrected the mouse that would go on to live over a hundred years. All right, uh, it's PFTPM and Chris Sims Unbuttoned Joint Megapix Podcast. It's Christmas time, baby. Wait, wait, let this me was just a gift. Yes, what? What? you're the weirdest fucking Vikings fan I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. I you're all over the place. I don't know. I've never met a fan like you. Never met a no, fan like you. It's and, no listen, and to add on to part? that, that sweater's fucking ugly. It's horrible. Blah, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you've been you've been throwing up a lot this week. I you have, maybe go right. to the doctor. Uh, this was a gift from Rob Highland. Okay. Our boss right. on Football Night in America. Yep. When we did Secret Santa three years ago. Yes. This is what he gave me. I remember that. This now. is the only. I have two choices when it comes to ugly sweater for it, Christmas time. Yep. It's this. And I have another one that I bought for like five bucks at Walmart that's got Will Ferrell's elf on it and it lights up. So I chose to go with this. Okay. Today. All right. That's good. I'd like to see that other one too. Damn. I should have. I wish I would have known that. I would have asked you to wear that on PFT today. So we could have the double sweater dose of florio that would have been amazing well at least hey listen your vikings don't have to play on christmas day it's the day after so you don't have to have your christmas ruined or anything like that so that's good for you i'm happy for 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 you and your family from that standpoint well but my christmas wouldn't be ruined if they lose that moves them another step closer <laughs> to the potential reset button that will potentially turn the team into something better than they've been and again officially i really don't care my son's all in and i want him to be happy but i don't care anything remotely like i used to i follow the entire league i get enjoyment from good games from people that i've come to know when they have good performances but even then i just want good stories i want good games i want good moments and hopefully we'll have some of those this weekend because we're getting closer to the end of the road. There are 27 teams still alive. There are 13 teams that are 7-7 seven and seven or better in the AFC. So every game this weekend, with a few exceptions, has meaning. By the way, our competition continues to have meaning, but not for much longer. You thought you were going to catch me last week a little bit. You thought you were going to get an edge in the in the versus the spread category where I hold a four-game lead. 
We were the same, straight up, 10 and 6. The same against the spread, 6 and 10. Best bets, oh, looky here. I picked up another game. I got a two-game lead with three weeks left in the regular season. Are you conceding now on Why? the Why? Why would I concede? I'm only conceding maybe Nine the games? straight up. That's one okay. Versus spread and best bets, I can still do this. I can. And I just absolutely, just that Tennessee Titans game killed me. I mean, that was, that was gut-wrenching for me. And, yes, I knew as soon as they lost, it's all your texts come in, pasta, meatballs, all that crap. Yes, that one hurt big time. But, no, I'm not conceding anything. There's a lot of ball to be left played here. We're clutch. Let me clutch here down the stretch these last three weeks. Here we go. I thought I was going to get a sweep of the uh, best bets, 3-0, and but the Packers let me down blowing that 14-point lead late in the game because I had them as the one that didn't work out, minus 5.5 against Baltimore. So thanks for nothing, Green Bay Packers. All right, let's get to week 16, and it starts with a bang. The last Thursday night game of the year, San Francisco 49ers at the Tennessee Titans, NFL Network only. San Francisco three and a half, or not three and a half, it was three and a half, is down to three-point road favorite against the Titans, 44 and a half over under. This one's a tough one, Chris. I've gone back and forth. I think I've made up my mind. I have made up my mind. Have you made up your mind? I have, definitely, yes. I mean, it is to me, again, it's, 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 a, it's as close to a 50-50 ball game as you can certainly get. It's a very even matchup across the board. There's no doubt about that. You know, I just look at it and go, hey, I mean, Tennessee, their defense, great run-stopping defense. There's no doubt about that. It's one of the best in football. Vrabel, Shane Bowen, very smart. I know they'll have some sort of plan to try to slow down Kittle and Debo Samuel. Yes, Hey, offensively, I like the Titans still. I mean, they just got that disease that I've continued to talk about today as far as doing dumb stuff, turning the ball over. I don't necessarily look at it like other teams are beating the crap out of them or outplaying them to cause those turnovers. I, I look a lot of them just going, man, it's just dumb stuff. Tennessee doing dumb things. I don't, there's no other way to explain it. You know, I do look at it and go, wait, hey, the 49ers, we talk about their corner issues. You know, but do the Titans have the wide receivers in the passing game to take advantage of that right now? I don't know if they really do. You know, I do think they'll be able to run the ball to a degree on the 49ers. I do, but is it going to be enough to just, you know, continually to keep pace with the 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 Shanahan offense that I think is kind of on fire right now and especially on fire with them being healthy. When they're healthy, that's the key. that's the big key. You said it earlier today. There's no team that rides their stars on the offensive side of the ball more than the 49ers. I'm going to go with the 49ers here. It was a tough one, but I'm going to go, oddly enough, I see your score in the computer right now, the exact opposite of yours. I'm going 49ers 24-23, kicking a late field goal to win the football game in Nashville. So you're taking the Titans to cover for the second straight week. I am. But you're taking the 49ers to win the game. Yeah, yes. I've got 24-23. I went ahead and typed it in there so you wouldn't think that I was I, just going to mirror you. Because right. I'm at the point where I could just mirror you. I know. You could be I that guy. Yeah, you yeah. got no chance to right. catch me, but I'm not going to do that. I got the Titans 24-23. I just think that three out of four losses, that's more than Mike Vrabel's going to tolerate. Yeah. And you throw in, we talked about it earlier today, because I could give a shit about the Pro Bowl, but to the extent that you can take Pro Bowl snubs, and almost the entire Titans roster got snubbed, with the exception of Kevin Bayard, that's an extra little thing that Mike Vrabel can use to get the attention of his players and get guys 
extra focused and extra motivated and extra determined to show a national audience that they got it wrong in doubting these players, whether it's Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, or anybody else who's deserving of that consideration. I think that's enough to make a difference. I think the Titans neutralize that offense just enough. Their offense wakes up just enough. They cure their disease just long enough to get a much-needed win. And, look, I think the 49ers can get away with losing this one and still make the playoffs. Probably. The Titans, if they lose this one, they really got to worry about blowing the division to the Colts. I feel like there's a greater desperation factor right now for the Titans. And I think this late in the season, desperation makes a difference. And I like the Titans because, ultimately, of that extra little kick of desperation that I think they have. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. I think there's desperation on both sides in this one. I mean, you're right. The 49ers could probably lose, and if they win the last two, we'll probably still get in. They got the tiebreakers against you know teams like Minnesota and Philadelphia who they beat straight up. So, yeah, but again, I think desperation's real on both sides here, and I do think it's a fascinating matchup. Uh, I'm going to be interested. I really think uh, the thing I look at is how successful can Deontay Foreman be running the football against the 49ers defense? You know, if he goes off for 120, 130, something like that, 115, I'm going to go, oh, Man, that means the Titans are having their way, and that means there's probably some easy completions to be had, and they'll win the football game. If it's 80 or 90, you know, somewhere in there, 70, anything less than that, then I'd go, uh oh, you know, the 49ers had their way with those guys up front, and they win the game. But I'm, I'm definitely can't wait for this one tonight. Christmas Day in the afternoon, 4.30 p.m. Eastern or thereabouts. It's the Cleveland Browns at the Green Bay Packers. This one really stood out when the schedule was released because we assumed the Browns were going to be better than 7-7 seven and seven after 14 games. But here we are, here they are, 7.5-point underdogs at Lambeau, over-under of 46. No Baker Mayfield. I checked with the team since PFT Live because we were talking about the fact that he's still out. Right. He was put on the COVID-19 reserve list last Wednesday. He can come back Saturday even if he doesn't test negative. It's a 10-day window for vaccinated players. He'd have to travel separately to Green Bay. He'd be available on Saturday to play in a Saturday game with no practice for two weeks, no game, obviously, on Monday. I don't know how sharp and fresh he's going to be. There's still a chance, even as we sit here today, and I just checked Twitter to make sure he hadn't been cleared this morning. All it takes is that positive test to get him back in the building. Right. But, you know, with or without Baker Mayfield, Chris, I'll go first on this one. Okay. I just think that this is a very tough matchup for the Browns. After everything they've been through with the COVID issue, no Kevin Stefanski, the heartbreaking loss to the Raiders after they erased a 10-point deficit, had the game won, let the Raiders drive, the defense, the strength of the team supposedly, lets David Carr get them in position for a field goal. They lose the game. They're 7-7. and The Packers with the one seed in hand, they're not going to let go of that. This is a special day for them. Christmas Day, Green Bay, it's an event. It's a happening. You know, Detroit always gets Thanksgiving. Green Bay gets a Christmas afternoon game. I think it's going to be a great day for the Packers. 31-20, to Aaron Rodgers moving toward MVP, Packers moving toward one seed. The folks in Green Bay with plenty of hot chocolate and maybe a little something sprinkled in it, I think the... Packers win again 31-20 they win and they cover yeah I, I don't have a whole lot of different thoughts for you either I mean again yeah the, the the deck is stacked against Cleveland certainly with the Baker Mayfield thing hey Jadeveon Clowney he I think he's gonna be back right but he, he was on the COVID list you know Miles Garrett groin injury I can't imagine him being quite as effective 
You know, so I look at it and go, all right, so what are the things the Browns have? One of the things I thought was, hey, they got a, a good pass rush. They got some guys that can make a difference there. Well, this is one of the best pass protecting teams in football. And if it's not 100% Miles Garrett and a clowny that I doubt will be 100% because he hasn't been around for, you know, 10 days either, I go, okay, well, damn, there was one of their advantages that's kind of taken away. The other thing that scares me is Cleveland is like a team that they don't. They don't take anything away. You know, they just they're again. This is what we do. We do what we do. That's great. Well, I can tell you what the Packers are going to do. They're going to know what you're going to do, and they're going to put Devonte Adams in the places where they know because of they know what you're going to do. Where the hell you won't be at, and they're going to throw the ball to him. That that's where that that's where it bothers me with Cleveland. So I look at that and go, oh, okay, so there's no great advantage there. Running the ball on the offensive side of the ball, hey, sure, they should be able to run the ball to a degree on the Packers. But, again, some of those O-linemen and and people are going to be coming back from COVID. And the Packers are phenomenal in the secondary to where they're going to be able to match up and stop Cleveland's pass game. So they'll be able to put that extra guy in the box to stop the run game. I got a score very similar to yours. You just flip the ones. I got 30 to 21. You got 31-20. I see the game playing out pretty much the same way you explained it. I am excited. Christmas Day, those uniforms on the frozen tundra, I mean, to me, that's like, man, that's football. When football was football, that make me think of Vince Lombardi and Jim Brown. I can't wait. Hey, take note, Nike, because we saw that game on Monday, Raiders-Browns, and it occurred to me at one point, I love these uniforms, old school. They still can look modern and fresh. Definitely. We don't have to have different uniforms every few years. The old uniforms in some ways yeah, are the best. Right? The right, Chiefs the Colts- with the ones the uh, last Thursday, right, with the gray face mask and all that. I mean, come on, could, it doesn't get better than that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, big guy. That's all right. That's all right. Pete told me next game, so I'm moving on to the next game. Christmas night, Colts at the Cardinals. Arizona, a one-point favorite. They've lost two in a row over under a 48-and-a-half. Can the Cardinals stop the bleeding and reestablish themselves as the NFC West potential champion now that things have started to come off the rails for them a bit? Yeah, no no doubt. It came off a bit last week, certainly. And Again, I look at the Colts' defense and go, their front four, their linebackers, they got team speed. You know, they do. I think they should be able to contain Kyler Murray and company to a degree. You know, will the Cardinals be able to run the ball consistently on that defense? I don't think so. They might be able to run it to a degree, but not consistently. You know, two. Hey, you know what reared its ugly head was a little bit of predictability within the Cardinals' offense last week too against the Detroit Lions. Saw some repeat passing concepts. You know, too many times. They couldn't do anything really in the first three quarters other than run the ball and throw screen passes, which, again, I think is going to be tough sledding against a Colts defense that I think is damn good. I do. You know, let alone I think they have a scheme that is going to give the Cardinals some issues as far as they play a lot of zones. It's a lot of people at the line of scrimmage. They'll be able to take away the screens. They'll have eyes on Kyler Murray when when he runs around. You know, the Cardinals love to run crossers over the middle. The, the Colts don't play a ton of man-to-man that way to where they're going to get crossed up and picked that way. So I look at that, and then I just think about the Colts, and we know the run game is dominant. And if there is a weakness to that Arizona defense, it's their corners too. They have a, they have a corner issue to where, hey, the Colts can throw the ball good enough to take advantage of that. I'm going Colts 27-24 in this one. I got Colts 24-20, so we're on the same page with this one. I think the Colts are peaking at the right time, and that loss to the Lions is a five-alarm fire for the Arizona Cardinals, and I think not having DeAndre Hopkins, even though he didn't have tremendous numbers this year, it makes a difference because you take away the guy 
that the other team is spending the week game planning to neutralize, all of a sudden the other team's defense can spend a lot of time taking away the rest of the weapons. And the rest of the weapons, not quite as potent when you've got 11 total defenders to focus on those guys and you're not devoting two of them to DeAndre Hopkins. So I think that makes a huge difference. I think it's one of the reasons why the Lions beat them. And we're just seeing the lack of maturity and experience rear its ugly head for the Cardinals. They'll be better off for this in the future if they have another 10-2 and start. If they do, who knows? Teams are so different from year to year. But I, I, I think that you know that lack of maturity caused them to not recover the way that they should have from the Monday night loss to the Rams. They went into Detroit thinking all they had to do was show up and win. And now they're going to have their hands full against the Colts team that senses an opportunity. And if the 49ers should win tonight, that makes me even more confident that the Colts pull it off yeah. because they really see an opportunity to take the division away from the Titans if they can forge a tie atop the AFC South, something that we would have thought was impossible not that long ago. All right, let's move on to Sunday. And we've got Detroit at Atlanta, a meaningless contest. The Falcons, five-and-a-half-point favorites, 42-and-a-half over-under. The Falcons not dead yet, but but they're pretty close to yeah, it. Yeah, right. When they, when they win, yeah, they're okay. When they lose, they lose in dramatic fashion. Not dramatic, but, but, but you know, they lose. ugly score. Right. Nothing dramatic about it. They get their asses kicked. Right. Do they get a win against the Lions, who have won two of, the last, of their last three on I, Sunday? I think it's a little bit how you explained it. Like, I'm going to say they win, but I think it's going to be by, you know, the skin on their nails. Or, or is that what they say? The skin on their nails? Yeah, right? That's what skin they say. Skin of their teeth. Skin, skin of their teeth. teeth. That's what they say. What do they say on the nails? Isn't there something on the nails, too? Uh, it'd be know. a nail biter, I guess. That's what I was nail looking biter. for there. Yeah, all right. You, you bite the nails with the skin of your teeth. Exactly. That that's when you know it's going to be close, and that's what I'm looking at here. <laughs> I like that, but like the, you know, you know, you explained it the right way. The Falcons are not a dominant team. I mean, come on, they they've done a lot of things here this year with smoke and mirrors. It's 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 impressive, but like the Lions have some things where I'd go, this is going to cause problems. The Lions' offensive line is legit. They're going to be able to push around this Falcons D line and run the football. They are. You know, so I don't, so there's an aspect I look at and go, Hey, advantage lions. Goff has been playing. Okay. Lately. Hasn't been doing dumb things. You're open. He hits you. So that's great. You know, other side of the ball. I do think Atlanta is going to be able to move the ball on them, you know, to a degree, but I think this is going to be like, it'll be a tough struggle. You know, Atlanta's not a great running team. They run it just enough and do it just so it can open up other things. Uh, I, I'm picking them to win, you know, really because they're at home and I, they have Matt Ryan. That's it. I think this will be close, though. I'm going 20-17 to 17 Atlanta. I think Detroit will be a pain in the butt for them to, uh, on Sunday. I've got 27-17, so throw in a late touchdown right. by Cordero Patterson to get the 10-point difference and the cover for the Falcons. Jared Goff on the COVID-19 reserve list, coming off of his best game as a Lion with three touchdown passes, Offensive Player of the Week, I believe, in the what? NFC. Yeah. No, it was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron no, Rogers. it was Aaron Rodgers. It yeah. was Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, sorry, Jared. You, 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 should, you should have gone to the AFC. You'd have a better chance there because Aaron Rodgers is still going to be the guy more often than not. But still, uh, if Goff doesn't play, Tim Boyle gets the nod. That makes me even more convinced yeah. the Falcons get right. it done. All right, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers. The Bucs. 10-point favorites. Despite being shut out last week at home, 
They're 10-point favorites at Carolina. Cam Newton, 2-0 and lifetime as a starter against Tom Brady. Does he get to 3-0 and or does he fall to 2-1 and when a banged-up Bucks team goes to Charlotte on Sunday? I'm going to say 2-1, and you know, and, and because of them, the offensive side of the ball and lack of a passing game. You know, I don't think their running game is good enough to where I can sit here and go, oh, well, you know, even though it's so good and it's the Bucks, they'll still be able to have success and it'll open other things up. No. You know, again, I think the Bucks, their defense, they're, they're going to realize the offense is a little handicapped and step up to the challenge. I don't think it can be, a, you know, again, I got questions about Carolina's offense. Of course I do. I mean, yeah, there's issues there. They're talking about they, they're probably going to play Sam Darnold this week too. So I don't know what to expect from that side of the football. I do think Carolina's defense will give Tampa Bay issues. Car- Carolina's defense is real. They are. It's still one of the better defenses in all of football. Can Tampa run the ball on them, you know, and do that? That's where you kind of can beat Carolina is running the football on them. Tampa's been a little reluctant to do that. There's no Fournette like you talked about. Should be the Ronald Jones show. He is certainly good, and, and we saw that at the end of last year, but – now, I think this is like an ugly win for the Bucks. I'm not going to pick them to cover the spread. I'm going to pick a 24 to 15, and Carolina just you know Tampa wins, but it's it's ugly and they don't they don't hit on all cylinders. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I, I think that they're going to be sluggish. It's going to be ugly, but they're going to find a way as the game unfolds. And I think like a late touchdown is going to make the difference, and they're going to be motivated to to basically use the back end of the game as a way to build a little confidence, get some reps for Antonio mm, Brown, that, yeah. work Le'Veon Bell into the mix, and just come out of that game with a final score that makes them feel a little bit better about where they are after that stunning defeat at home. The shutout making it even more surprising than it otherwise would have been. So I got 27 to 14. This is a This is a Tom Brady kick ass and take names in the locker room day after – how frustrated we saw him last week. He doesn't want to deal with that again, especially when he's never beaten Cam Newton in his entire career. All right, Baltimore Ravens at Cincinnati Bengals, three-point favorites. The Bengals handled them in Baltimore earlier this year, 45-and-a-half over-under. I'm guessing there'll be no Lamar Jackson. Uh, Chris, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like it. Again, I don't know if it, like, sways my thought a whole lot. Of course, I think the Ravens are better with Lamar Jackson, but what we've seen from Tyler Hundley – you know, I don't think, again, they don't have to change their game plan. He can still do the same things Lamar does, just at a lesser level. Yeah, he doesn't have a, as powerful as an arm or can throw the ball from as many platforms as Lamar Jackson. And of course, it's not as fast, but fast enough to give you issues. But I think this is a Bengals team and defense that matches up well with Baltimore. Again, you know, Baltimore's not the greatest running team. It's about the quarterback scrambling. You know, Cincinnati's a team that plays – you know, types of coverages and zones that their eyes are always looking at the quarterback. You know, they showed the first time around they had a plan to contain Lamar from getting out of the pocket and doing things, let alone because they play those zones, their eyes were always on him, and if he did break contain, they, they got on him pretty quickly there. So I look at that as kind of an advantage Bengals. You want to take advantage of the Bengals' defense, you know, the teams that have beat them this year have had success for the most part have been able to game plan big pass plays in the in the passing game. I don't think the Ravens are that team. So I don't look at it that like being able to take advantage of it. And I just think the Bengals at home, Joe Burrow, the weapons on offense, some of the injuries in the Ravens secondary. I thought even with the Ravens healthy, the Bengals match up good with that side of the ball too. 
Uh, but I just don't think the Ravens have enough right now, you know, especially if they can just run the ball a little and make Baltimore worry about that. They're not going to be able to match up with Higgins and Chase and Boyd on the outside. That'll be an issue. I'm going Bengals here, uh, 30 to 20. Wow, you've got a 10-point win for yeah. the Bengals. For me, this is pasta and meatballs time, and I have learned Here he goes. to surrender to the pasta and the meatballs. This is a program win for the Baltimore Ravens on the road, evening the score from earlier this year when the Bengals won in Baltimore. This is John Harbaugh late in the season. This is coaching adjustments. This is self-scouting and also opponent scouting. This is coming up with a game plan that Joe Burrow is not going to be ready for. Joe Burrow, we know, can access deep into the playbook and come up with something on the fly if he needs to. We've seen that happen this year on multiple occasions. But I think as we get later and later in the calendar, the coaching staff that has the experience, the coaching staff that's been there and done that, the coaching staff that understands the significance of these games. This is a desperation game for Baltimore. This gets, takes me back to the Thursday night game. Desperation. And the desperation is greater for the Ravens right now than it is for the Bengals. Not by much, but it's there. And also, I can't trust the Bengals because every time they convince us they've gotten it turned around, what happens? They drive the wrong way. They did it three times this year. And the win over the Broncos last week was hardly an impressive victory. No. They'd be riding a three-game losing streak if they hadn't managed to work that one out. So I think that the the Ravens find a way. This is a find-a-way pasta and meatballs picked by me, 24-21, Ravens over the Bengals. All right, let's keep moving because there's 16 games this weekend. The Chargers, 10-point favorites at Houston. We shouldn't need more than 10 seconds to come up with a score and a pick on this one. Chris, who do you have? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going Chargers. Of course I am. You know, the Texans, all the two-deep coverage they play. You know, the Chargers throwing the ball down the field more. have kind of hit their groove on the offensive side of the ball here or found a second win. Yeah, uh, I'm going 31-17. You know, again, uh, the Texans can't run the ball well enough to take advantage of that, you know, bad part of the, the Chargers defense. And, yeah, I think Davis Mills is going to have an issue throwing the ball against this Chargers defense and their pass defense. 31-17. There's just enough inconsistency in L.A. to make me a little nervous about this one, but I'll take the Chargers as well to cover as well, 31-20. The, the Texans are the Texans, and the Chargers are still alive. And, and if the Chargers lose this one, they don't belong in the playoff conversation. The Vikings don't belong in the playoff conversation, yet here they are at 7-7. Seven and seven. The Rams, three-point favorites in Minnesota, the highest over-under of the week at 49.5. Chris... I know who I'm taking. I'm telling you right now I'm taking the Rams to win this one and cover. Are you shocked? Are you stunned? No. I think the road ends for Minnesota as a practical matter this weekend. Do you feel any differently? No, I don't. I'm going to have them winning and covering too. Not by a lot. I'm, I'm not by a lot. I'm not. I can see this game being high scoring. I can see it being on the over. I mean, I'm going to go 31-27. You know, again, this is where... Hey, the Rams defense, I'd like to see them try to defend. I'm excited to see what they can do to defend the run game of the Vikings. But I guess what I'm saying is I expect the Vikings to be able to run the ball on the Rams. And because they're kind of a you know, smaller, faster, over-aggressive type defense, the Rams, I think that'll lend itself to the Kirk Cousins you know, making some big plays in their play-action pass game. I do. But the other side of the ball is the Vikings defense. I mean – not breaking any news here. It's just it's not good. It's not good enough. Not to match up with the Rams, who at least when 
hey, they're taking care of the ball for the most part here the last few weeks. And when they get under center and run the ball, it just makes the rest of their offense so much harder to defend. They've been running the ball a little bit better. I do think Stafford's found his groove. I think this will be a fun game, but I'm going to go Rams 31-27. I got 30-23 to Rams. And, I, hey, Stafford got snubbed for the Pro Bowl. And yeah, he did. just a little something, a little twist, a little twist. And Cooper Cup, keep an eye on him because he is right on track to match the single-season reception record. He's on pace for 148. The record's 149. He's on pace right now to break the single-season yardage record. Yes, the extra game matters, makes a difference. But I think that they're going to – number one, they're going to try to get him there. Number two, they need him. He, he was so productive the other night. If they're going to win that game, and the Vikings don't have a great secondary, uh, I think it's going to be, a, a, like you do, Chris, a high-scoring game, and the Rams win and they cover. Buffalo at New England. How about this one? Two-and-a-half-point favorite are the Patriots. The rematch of the game from a few weeks ago on the windy, cold night in Buffalo. 43-and-a-half over under. Chris, do the Bills even it at one-and-one, one, or do the Bills essentially concede the AFC East to the Patriots? Well, I, you know, there's two ways you could look at this to a degree. I mean, hey, like we've talked about, the Patriots didn't throw the ball the first time and still won. So the Bills haven't even seen the passing attack of what's going to come off, you know, as far as from the Patriots' offense and how they're going to tie that together with a dominant run game. Now, I do think the Bills kind of found something towards the end of that game the first time around as far as how to defend some of these Patriot runs that were gashing them to such a degree. You know, so that, that's interesting. You know, the other thing you could talk about is, hey, the wind and the elements, you know, that hurt Josh Allen and company from just being able to let it fly, especially they were a little concerned, I think a little overly concerned early on whether Allen could throw the ball through the elements. And like we talked about, we thought they were a little too late to adjust because he had no problem. He threw the ball right through it. But one-dimensional Bills offense, once again, no Cole Beasley to worry about working underneath coverage. I mean, advantage Patriots defense. And then, listen, I still got a lot of respect for this uh, Bills, Bills D, but you know, the size issue worries me. And now now you're going to have to worry about the pass game. You know, you're not. it's not just going to be the run. So I'm going to go the Patriots in a close one here, 24-20. I got 24-17, so we both have them covering. We both have them winning. I just think that even though the Bills understand the stakes here, this is one where the Patriots coming off of that loss in Indianapolis are going to be focused. They're going to be pissed. They're going to be determined. They're going to be motivated. And they can right the ship fairly quickly from what they lost by losing to the Colts last Saturday night. So we agree on that one. Jacksonville at the Jets. Closest spread so far of the week at minus .5 for the Jets, over under of 41. It's a game that has zero implications whatsoever, except as it relates to the draft order. Do the Jets get win number four of the season, Chris? I, I, I'm going to take the Jets just because I think they still kind of care. Like they're trying to think about – Hey, future, the culture, let's get used to winning a little bit so we can build on something in the offseason. Jacksonville doesn't have that right now. You know, they're, they're, they don't know who their coach is going to be. There's nothing really to look forward to. You know, they're, they're, I just think they're kind of beaten down that way. Where the Jets, I know, know Robert Sala, yes, but, you know, I think there is still like, hey, we're trying to, you know, install a winning culture and belief in our football team. Now, they've been playing a little bit better ball as of late as compared to Jacksonville, who are Trevor Lawrence and company. The offense have really struggled. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Jets in a close, ugly one in the number one versus number two picks of the draft showdown. I'm going to take Zach Wilson, 20-17. to 17.
I got 20 to 14, so we're on the same page there. And I look at it this way. If the Jaguars were going to get their stuff together and win for the interim coach, Daryl Bevel, they would have done it last week at home against the Texans. You factor in last week. It's Christmas week. They got to go on the road. I think you're going to have some guys maybe making business decisions, guys who know they're not going to be there next year, guys who aren't going to want to go all out and emerge from a late-season game with an injury. This one's going to be very tough for the Jaguars because, again, I think if there was going to be any positive bump from Bevel, it would have happened last week. 20-14, to 14, Jets win. Let's move on to a game that we played down the road from New York and Philadelphia. The Giants at the Eagles, a great rivalry. The Eagles are nine-and-a-half-point favorites, though, because they're – Still in the playoff discussion, and the Giants clearly aren't over under a 40-and-a-half. Can the Giants keep this one close just because it's Giants-Eagles, Chris? Uh, I, I do think so. You know, the Giants, like we talked about, do have great size on their defensive line to where maybe they can slow down that running attack to a degree. But I, I don't know if anything can slow down this running attack right now. You know, I'm going to pick Philadelphia to cover, and I, but not like where I think it's going to be this dominant cover. I'm going 27-17. Uh, and this one to take Philadelphia. But, you know, like we talked about a little uh, on Tuesday, uh, or what was that, Wednesday, I guess, that was after the Tuesday night Philadelphia game, was, hey, it's, it's an elite thing in the NFL, an elite unit. Is that offensive line for Philly, their ability to run it. And they've packaged a nice little passing game plan around Jalen Hurts that goes well with that. And he makes a handful of plays every time. They lost to the Giants the first time around. They're going to look at that film and go, wait, we dominated the game and Jalen Hurts threw some bad interceptions that really hurt their team. I don't think that's going to happen. Of course, it's still Mike Glennon at quarterback. You know, the Giants, the Eagles' defense, not great. I think can make a few plays to keep it interesting, but ultimately Philly, 27-17. I got 27-20, so this is another one where we disagree on the application of the spread. And... Looking at the game so far, I see, and my math may be wrong here. Four spread I see difference. Four, yeah. Four spread difference. And and um, I lead you by four in the spread category. So I like you. Come, come get me, Christopher. You also could be down by eight by the time we get to four o'clock Eastern on Sunday. We will do the four o'clock Eastern games when this joint edition of PFTPM and Chris Sims Unbuttoned continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. PFTPM, Chris Sims Unbuttoned, presented by Under Armour. Here we are, the 4 o'clock games for week 16. There are only three that we have to process yeah. while we're getting ready to do yeah. football night in America. And really, only two of them matter. The Bears at the Seahawks. Bears are done, and the Seahawks are close to being done. Seahawks are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. The 12s should just stay home for this one. Just 
I, I'm sorry. I, I know we want to encourage full stadiums, but why would you go to? Why would you go to this one? Why? Why? <laughs> Unless it's like, hey, we only got so many more times we're going to see Russell Wilson. Maybe that's why you go. Six Maybe and a half enough. point favorites. Yeah. Forty-two and a half over under. Bears Seahawks. Who do you like? Uh, all right. I, I mean, I expect this to be one of the uglier games of the weekend. A hundred percent. I mean, I don't expect either offense to look very good or do much here. That's for sure. I mean, the Seahawks, again, we've talked about it. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I think there's moments where we could pull the defense off the field and the Seahawks wouldn't go down and get a first down or a touchdown. I and mean, they're just, it, it's horrible. And the Bears' defense is pretty damn good. It's still a good unit. I mean, they can give you issues. So I, I think Russell Wilson and company are going to have problems moving the football. You know, and then same thing on the other side, though. Again, the, I've liked the Bears' offense a little bit more the last few weeks. And again, I'm liking what I'm seeing for Justin Fields. Seahawks defense has been a pain in the butt, though. You know, and they don't let you in the end zone. I could see this game going either way. Really, I almost look at it and just go, who makes the first mistake? Whoever makes that mistake is going to lose. I don't know. So um, from that standpoint, I'm going to pick the Bears to make a mistake because that's what the Bears do. They usually make that mistake. Ugly football game, 17-14, to 14, Seattle. I uh, I've got the Seahawks winning. I've got the I've got more points. I I, I just think this one's going to get a little sloppy defensively, and maybe we're going to see Russell Wilson uh, connect with his receiver a little more effectively than he did. Maybe we're going to see a little more running, a little more explosion, a little more excitement than we saw from both teams this past week. And I got thirty to twenty one Seattle. So I've got the cover. You've got the Bears covering this one. Yeah. Ultimately, who cares? Uh, we think Matt Nagy's going to be gone in Chicago, though I'm not sure that's the right decision. The guy made the playoffs two of the last three years. The real question is what kind of changes are going to happen in Seattle. This is play out the string time for both of these teams. Yeah. Not so for the Steelers and the Chiefs, though. Arrowhead Stadium, Kansas City, seven and a half point favorites, 44 over under. Risky to bet the Chiefs now because Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill still on the COVID-19 reserve list. I know how I would feel about this one if they were playing it in Pittsburgh. But they're not. It's not pasta and meatballs time for me, Chris. I'll go first on this yeah, one. The Chiefs, well. I think, win this when they continue. Even though they're wary about being the number one seed, I just don't think that magic is going to travel for the Steelers like it would if they were playing at home. I don't know that it's end of the road for the Steelers because I think they could still win the last two, and they could maybe sneak in at 9-7-1 and one if the final cluster at the seven seed is 9-8. and eight. But uh, – I don't think they're going to win this game in Kansas City on Sunday, and I do think the Chiefs will cover. Let me make sure my score here. I've got 31-20 for this one, Chiefs win. Yeah, and we got, like, right, we got Kelsey, who it happened earlier in the week, right? So I think there's good thought of, like, he could be back for this one. Tyree Kill and company happened a little later, right? So that could be a little scarier. I don't know if we're going to see him or not. You know, and, and that does affect the game. Of course. I mean, Tyree Kill, I don't care what you say. We know he's he's one of the best weapons. He's one of those guys that's, you know, the the great attention getter that opens up a lot of the things to this Chiefs offense. But and I think the Chiefs have at least found some sort of rhythm on the offensive side of the ball. It's not the 2019 or 2020 Chiefs. No, it's not. But it's still good enough. Mahomes seems to be in somewhat of a groove. They've gotten rid of the turnover disease that we've talked about so much here, you know, as of late or today at least. Uh, so from that, and then again, the Steelers defense, I don't think is very good. 
I don't. So I think they'll be able to move the ball, of course, well enough to put up points and, and win the football game. And really, I think the other side of the ball, Chris Jones should be back. He missed last week because of COVID. I know they're going to miss one of the linebackers, right? Nick Bol- is Bolton, the other guy that's on the COVID list with Tyreek there. So they missed that, but that's not a game changer. Legereus Sneed being back. I just have a hard time thinking the Pittsburgh offense is going to be able to do a whole lot against really what is one of the hottest defenses in football still. Uh, so I'm with you. I'm going Chiefs 27-17. I'm still going to have them cover whether Tyreek Hill plays or not. I'm still going to go with that. I just feel like the Chiefs have busted their asses to get themselves yes, in position right. where they have the one seed. They're not going to let it go now that they finally I don't think so have either. it. I'm with you. I'm and with if, you. if this game was in Pittsburgh, I'd feel very differently. But in Kansas City, they're just not going to blow it. The Broncos at the Raiders, both teams 7-7. Seven and seven. Raiders 0.5 point favorites, 41.5 over under. Drew Locke in for the Broncos. He claims he's better than he was. I guess that's good news for the Broncos. Is it enough good news to deliver a victory for Denver on the road as they embark on this tour of the AFC West to end the season? They got the Raiders, they got the Chargers, they got the Chiefs to wrap it up. I'm going to ride with the Broncos in this one. I mean, I'm not going to bet on this, but I am going to go with them. I mean, I just think the Broncos are – the question is Drew Locke. And I'm going to play the angle that he's got to realize, like, if he turns the ball over and does stupid things in these games, he will – I mean, he might not be a backup. That's where he's got to worry about this. He's going to be brought in somewhere as a third-string quarterback. So I'm going to play the angle that he understands this a little bit. You know, the Broncos have been running the ball well. I expect them to be able to run the ball against this Raiders football team. You know, let alone be able to throw it as long as he doesn't do stupid things with enough success. And really the thing I look at more than anything, I mean, again, the Raiders underwhelming last week against a half team against the Browns. You know, offensively, they're not the same team. They're not. They miss Gruden and his ability to create big plays and draw them up and be the mad scientist. They miss Henry Ruggs, period. You know, they're not as hard to defend. Darren Waller, I'm not even sure what his status is for this week. But he's been out, and if he's back, he's not going to be, like, 100% ready to go. So from that, I'm going to ride with the Denver Broncos here. I think their defense will stymie the Raiders, and I'm going to say their offense and Drew Locke do good just enough to win 20-17 to 17 on the road. Wow. See, I, I look at it as the Raiders got that gift when they came back and won in Cleveland. It was an opportunity for Derek Carr to access a higher level of performance. And I look at it this way. If the Raiders under Derek Carr can't beat Drew Locke and the Broncos with a playoff berth potentially on the line, if you lose this one, it's going to be very, very difficult to make it into the field. The Raiders still alive. I, I just think that, that, that this is – Exhibit A, however it goes, to the question of whether or not the next coach should want Derek Carr. I hear that. If Derek Carr loses this one, if he loses this one, then the next coach should say, we can do better. And I've seen some arguments recently, like, could Derek Carr do better than the Raiders? So the Raiders holding Derek Carr back. I think think it's the other way around. I think Carr's what's been holding the Raiders back at times from getting to where they need to be. He's almost like the Kirk Cousins of the AFC. Yeah, I hear you. Where, I hear you. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll generate enough numbers. He'll do enough in the, the average random no-big-deal games. But when it's all on the line, when it's time to show up, when it's time to put up or shut up, yeah, he doesn't put up. I hear you. So 
I, I, and I, I'm picking them to win 21 to 13. Yeah. Because I think he's going to put up. Okay. But if he doesn't put up, it is time for him to shut up yeah. and maybe to move on. I, I listen, I, I think it's a fair question. I, I understand what you're saying. You're right. I mean, hey, look at just all you got to do is look at last week. There we were. I was sitting there through three quarters going, man, I just, I can't believe Derek Carr is even letting this game be like this. It's this close. How, you know, they blew opportunities, whether it was his fumble, his interception, you know, just him not making a play or two to kind of like, you know, get the momentum and the total positivity around their team. I, I think it's a fair question. I, I totally hear what you're saying there, Mike. Let's take a break. When we return, the primetime games for Sunday and Monday night, including a joint meeting of the two and on and Tanon clubs on Monday night football. <laughs> PFTPM and Chris Sims unbutton returns right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. PFTPM, Chris Sims Unbuttoned, presented by Under Armour. We've reached the point in the program where we do the primetime games for Sunday and Monday. And before we do that, we're at the point in the program where Chris shares with you some thoughts from his friends at Under Armour. They'll be my friends when my hoodie and shoes show up. For now, they're just Chris's they'll, friends. They'll, they'll get there. They're your friends, though. They like it whether you they like you whether you like them or not, all right? And we are always proud to have the Under Armour sponsorship. And just so everybody knows out there, full disclaimer, that ugly sweater Florio is wearing is not an Under Armour product. They would it never make something It is not an Under Armour product. No. That is correct. That is correct. Under Armour wouldn't do that, all right? But we are supported by Under Armour, and just like us, Under Armour wants to give you an edge. That's right. Florio and I are trying to give you an edge on these picks, on these bets, and Florio's damn good at it. They are focused on performing better and taking their game to the next level. Everything from running shoes that propel you forward to hoop shoes that give you insane grip. They even make hoodies that reflect energy, but not ugly purple and yellow Christmas sweaters. We're not just about the end results, winning or glory. Under Armour is about the hard work, the dedication, the cycle of training, competing, and recovering. We give you advantages, but not shortcuts. The only way is through. All right. Uh, Well done. And off we go to Sunday night football. Washington at Dallas. Not the same cachet that the game would have had a few weeks ago because Dallas beat Washington in Washington. Last weekend, Dallas beat the Giants. Washington lost to the Eagles. Biggest spread of the week at 10.5 for the home team, over under a 47. Chris, who do you like? I like Dallas, of course. I do. I'm still a little concerned with Dallas's offense. It's, it's underwhelming. You know, we know the concerns. Yeah, Dak hasn't been as great, not as dominant in the run game. I think their passing game is too simple. You've heard me say that. I think teams have figured out kind of how to defend them in the past game and take away some of that stuff there. You know, but Dallas's defense is, is special. You know, they are. And they, I, I almost want to go, like, I can guarantee they're going to make a play, at least one play to give them a, you know, advantage as far as possessions concerned. Now, we do have Taylor Heineke back. You know, uh, they know what to expect from Dallas to a degree. 
I don't think they're going to make the uh, amount of mistakes they made the first time around. They'll learn from that. You know, I'm going to have Dallas winning, but I'm going to have the football team cover the spread just because I think they're going to self-correct a little bit from the first matchup. I'm going to go Cowboys 28-20, but like a comfortable 28-20 win. Same deal for me, 34-24. I've got very close to a Cowboys cover, but you know there's too much in the rivalry. Washington's not going to go away easily, and I don't think the Cowboys are going to have the ability to deliver the death blow to put them away. I was right. surprised they covered last week against the Giants, frankly. They just haven't been sharp, but they've reached a point in the schedule where they're getting these wins against teams that aren't among the best in the NFL, and they've ascended to the number two spot in the NFC playoff tree as a result of it. Last game of the week, Monday night, we thought we were getting two and on versus Tan on, but Trevor Simeon test positive. Taysom Hill follows Trevor Simeon to the COVID-19 reserve list, which implies that Taysom Hill is unvaccinated. Either way, he's out. Ian Book, the rookie from Notre Dame, is in as the next man up. We're applying a pick'em spread to this because the game is now off the board. The Saints had been favored. Dolphins come to town. Winners of six in a row. Chris, it's better to be lucky than good. And the Dolphins are getting lucky. Is it enough luck for them to emerge with the victory? It changes what I think. It does. I mean, definitely. I thought this was going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. I still think it'll be an ugly, low-scoring game. But if Taysom Hill was playing... I would have gave the advantage to Saints to win a defensive, ugly football game at home in a tough environment. Now it's not, and it's a rookie, Ian Book. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go to the. I'm going to say the the Dolphins now are the team that wins the ugly, close football game. I don't expect a lot of offense. Again, the Dolphins' offense has been better, but nothing special. The Saints' defense is special. They can stop the run with their just their front four. They have shut down corners, and they're creative as far as their defensive scheme. So I think they're going to give the Dolphins' offense a lot of issues. Hey, the, the, the Saints' offense, we know, is not terribly talented. Uh, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are going to be able to match up against whatever receiver they want on the Saints, let alone the rest of the defense is really damn good, too, and we know the Saints' offense isn't that special. But now because it's Ian Book, I'm going to say the Saints, they're going to have one dumb turnover with this crazy defense the Dolphins run. And I'm going to say now, where I would have picked, you know, Saints to win 14-10, I'm going to pick the Dolphins to win 13-10. And the Dolphins actually, according to our friends at PointsBet, who have just gotten in touch with us, are a one-point point favorite. favorite in the game. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one point, and the over-under is 37. You've already done your best bet as the under, and you're way under. So the under, the, it doesn't change materially. It's right. like a one-point shift. I, I'm tempted to take the Saints, but here's my caveat. As we record this, there could be more positive cases for the Saints. There could be more guys who aren't available. I'm going to hedge in that direction, yeah. and I'm going to assume the Saints are going to be more overmatched than they already are from the standpoint of COVID. I'm going to go with you with the Dolphins. I'll go 23-20. I'm holding out hope for a few more points, but who the hell knows? But I agree with you. The Dolphins pulling a good card they're getting lucky Chris Definitely. and you take it at this stage of the season you take it and you know who else benefits everybody else in that cluster of teams in the NFC Definitely. that is trying to land the plane in the seventh seed the Saints now potentially fall out of contention losing a game 
that maybe they otherwise would have won. Yeah, no, you're right. That team with uh, the ugly Christmas sweater in which you're representing, they now that that makes them feel better if they can upset the Rams somehow. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah. Or if they don't. Yeah. If they don't, or if they, they don't. still could win the next two and get you're in. Right. I mean, it, it is. It's a, it's a game changer right there. And it's more pressure on that Saints defense to come through and play like they did last week against the Bucks. We'll see if they can pull off that type of magic. I think they'll come close, but I expect the young rookie quarterback to make a mistake in this one. I do. We'll see if they throw up the bat signal for Drew Brees to get down to New Orleans and sign a one-day <laughs> Save us, Mr. Brees. Save us. Book. When we return, best bets and Folsom Prison Blues picks on PFTPM and Chris Sims Unbuttoned. All right, best bets time for week 16. We each pick three against the spread or over under, whatever you choose. Chris, you're up first. All right. Uh, the first, Listen, I don't feel great about some of these spreads this week as far as that, but the one I do feel good about is the Colts. Yeah, they're they're one-point underdogs, and I think they're going to win the football game. So I'm just going to use that logic right there. I am. That really is. I think they're the hotter football team. I think they match up well with the Cardinals, and – I got to see the Cardinals get out of this funk to believe it. But, yes, I, I think this is tough on them. I, I think the Colts win the game. I'm going to stick with the same day, but I'm going to go earlier. Cleveland at Green Bay. The Packers, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm pissed off that the Packers didn't cover against the Ravens last week, up 14. Maybe they'll tighten it up a little bit this time around when they build the lead, and they'll hold the lead. Packers to cover the seven-and-a-half-point spread. All right, all right, that's good. So we got something to root against each other for here in the, uh, the first the, the, on Christmas Day. That, that makes it even better. All right. While I'm sitting by the tree in your smoking tree, that's something we can both pay attention to. <laughs> Either way, it's a great day. All right, my next one, I'm going with an under. I'm going to the Dolphins-Saints game. That's where I'm going. I know it's the lowest over-under, I believe, from what Pete is saying here in points bet of the whole year at 38.5. I don't think it'll even get close to that. I don't. I'm picking 13 to 10. I'd have a hard time thinking it gets much past 30, even on its best night. So I'm going to take it. Uh, 14 to 10, excuse me, is what I picked to, for the Saints to cover the spread. But I'm going with the under there. Atlanta Falcons with only a five-and-a-half-point spread against the Lions team that may not have Jared Goff. There's a certain amount of a calculated gamble here. But even with Goff, I think the Lions have emptied their tank of magic for the year. Falcons win, get to a respectable seven and eight. I like the Falcons to cover the five-and-a-half-point spread, Chris. Oh, okay. All right. That's going to be interesting. Going with the Falcons to cover. All right. Come on, Lions. Come on, kneecap biters. All right. My last one, I'm going with another under. I am. I'm going to do wow. it. Yeah, it's what I feel this week. And I'm going to the Chicago and Seattle game. I'm going to go to that one. The over-unders at 42.5. I got the Seahawks winning 17-14. to I just don't see many points being scored in this one. Both offenses are challenged. The Seahawks defense, I don't even want to. Uh, the Bears have been better, but, hey, the Seahawks defense is still pretty damn good here as of late. So I'm going with the under. Ooh. Last one for me, and notwithstanding the Christmas sweater, Rams to cover the three-point spread. Oh, one Minnesota. more time, crap it on the Vikings. Vikings, he loves him <laughs> he not. Loves Give me your not. Folsom Prison pick. Okay. Who's your one? Who's your I one? Get, I'm going to go with the Texans, I guess. They're playing the Chargers. I'll go with the Texans. So you're Oh, you're taking the Texans to win. The, Too you late know for what you. I, meant. I got the Chargers. You, know you lose. That's it. No, no. No, no. See ya. Merry Christmas to everybody except that sweater Florio's wearing. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.